Welcome to Bay Patrol Pizza Party Edition. And I'm Steph. Yeah! <laughs> Steph's back with us. She's Hi. back this week. I did want to ask you, in the in one of the most recent episodes, did you record in the dark? Yes. <laughs> oh, we did? Oh, pretty the, much. We did. Valentine's we did yeah. We, well, we've done a couple by candlelight. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Could Why? You hear it? Is it obvious? No, no, no. Yeah, I could, I could, I could <laughs> yeah, hear the dark. Sound, she's so good. You sound dumber. <laughs> the sound um, of silence. Yeah. <laughs> No, because at one point you were like, oh, I don't have my reading candle. And then, oh, and then Ashley, you were like, oh, here, do you want my flashlight? And I was like, are they recording in the dark? <laughs> we, we had some table candles. Wait, was, the, of, was the power out? No. No. It's just for ambiance. It's ambiance, yeah. It's often how we do oh. it without being asked. Ashley will just, and then it's fine. It's, and it's totally fine because it's, oh, it's not that. like super dark. It's just sort of yeah. dim. Yeah. Because yeah. makes- usually those lights over there are on. Yeah. It's just hard to like read this right when sure yeah when there's but no it's light so hard yeah. because like i have big light which everyone hates anyone yeah. with any kind of taste hates big light <laughs> yeah. but the problem is that this kitchen also only has those outlets <laughs> by the yes. door by yes. the light switches so it's like where am i gonna plug a lamp you know so yeah, yeah. The, that was why yeah so she got me a tiny flashlight so i could read my book because <laughs> i actually had like real notes last time Nice. Yeah, because I had to remember penetration gum blast, yeah. <laughs> which I don't know if you've gotten to that one. Oh, yet. I have. Yeah, okay. Oh, I have. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of um, good potential titles in that one. Yeah, penetration gum blast is pretty quite good. The title. Oh, I also <laughs> when, when you were describing your perfect man, you're like, he's a swan with hands. <laughs> If you have time, I need you to draw a swan with hands for Instagram. <laughs> Even just a little doodle. Like, I could. I think yeah. there's an easy way to do it, which is like the Thanksgiving turkey hand, but a swan like with hands on its back. That's what I'm picturing. Flesh colored feathers. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's more creative than I was thinking. <laughs> Just like a swan with a little. <laughs> yeah, with hands coming out like a little T Rex, but then also wings. <laughs> oh, man. Or hands at, at the wingtips. At the wingtips? So, wait. Oh, wait. One hand at each wingtip. Yeah. Like the last feather has like a little glove I was hanging out. Imagining all the end feathers with hands at the end. Whoa. And I was like, ah! I was like, that's like. Something like from Pan's Labyrinth. Like, yeah, like a fractal. <laughs> <laughs> and each of the fingers on the hands have a hand. <laughs> Those hands have hands. Oh, man. And that's your boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> My perfect man. I mean, let's not get it wrong here. Ideal. Yeah. An ideal specimen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's, let's see here. Um, how was your week, Lauren? My week was good. I you know, before coming over here, I was laughing at myself because 
Um, I was scrolling through photos just because, you know, we have a, I have a lot of like dating profile reference photos in there and looking for one, one I hadn't used. And I scrolled past a COVID test. My heart like seized up. And my first thought was, am I pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot. <laughs> it was like a picture from like 2019. I was like, I think I would have known by now. Wait a minute. You but... took a COVID test in 2019? Are no, you patient no, zero? I guess, tw- I guess it was 2020. You're right. I don't know. It feels like forever ago. <laughs> like, you know, 10 years ago when COVID started. Um, but... Yeah, anyway, it, I was just laughing at myself. So I'm like, you dummy. And also, never, ever have I taken a pregnancy test and then taken a photo of it. Like, why would I save that? No. But anyway. Unwanted. So, sorry. I feel like that. Um, <laughs> I think we're all in agreement about that. Yeah. Our listeners might yeah. have a different take, but. I know. You know, that's why it's our podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is why. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that sort of like summed up my week in this funny way where I was just like, it was a good week. I got a lot of shit done, but I also felt like half out of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. in my, like in my own time, I was just kind of like in this. <laughs> so here Friday, we are for Friday night, listening mm-hmm. on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> How was your week? It was good. Um, I gave my notice and because I have a new job, Ooh. but I think I'm allowed to announce. So I there we go. This is going to be out in weeks, so that's yeah. fine. But I also like had you know a lot of like contraction and like shock and sadness around doing that, even though it does feel just like the right time. It really does. So that's a big change. That is well. Congratulations. That's thank you. It's hard to do. Yeah, and I'm excited for your next thing. Thank you. Me too. Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And then our little uh, surprise guest, yes. <laughs> Mr. George. How was your Mr. Week? George. <laughs> Please, Mr. George is my father. <laughs> how was your uh, week? Yeah. No, uh, my week was uh, great. I uh, I was promoted and I get into grad school, which is yeah. kind of old news, but it kind of just like... I think, yeah, it's I, I, I told, recent, recent. yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's recent. And I told, um, my boss this week. Mm. So I think that, that was kind of like the last like, yeah, thing like I was out holding of the on to about it now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm being open about it. And yeah. And I like got to do a really like fun event. I like read some writing on stage. Lauren was there. Yeah. So yeah, it was like, it was a, it was a good week. This is kind of a week for the books, honestly. Yeah, it, yeah. it is. And well, okay. I was, I should have sent it to you. I saw a TikTok that was like talking about some astrology oh there's so much this week yeah Yeah. and there was something i think it was like people with like taurus placements or something or or maybe it was like if you have like leo like rising or something but it was like some placement that i had and they were like after the seventh there's going to be a huge weight lifted off your shoulders that's right it would make sense if it was a leo rising yeah and i do have a leo rising yeah because um saturn moved out of aquarius yes and okay and my my saturn is in aquarius so mm-hmm. I think I was. So you going... just went through your Saturn return. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. To yeah. Be on the other side of that. It was Woof. horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also fine and fun and great. But like <laughs> it was horrible and also kind of lovely. You know, keep yeah. your heels up. It was tantalizingly horrible. <laughs> yeah. So I can I can definitely I can definitely feel it. Mm-hmm. It's like oh. great. Wow. Break on through to the other side. I know, dude. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 
Mm, yeah. <laughs> Very fun for me to answer those questions. Thank you. I'm always asking. impressed when you have an answer to those questions, <laughs> and, you, and you always do. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So knowledgeable. Just, but it's yeah. not. It's not also. I mean, I don't know that much. Like, there's also people do things like progressive charts where they where there's like predictive astrology, and there's just so much you can do. Yeah. There's so much you can learn. Won't take us to a whole universe to learn. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. An, an entire universe and a universe where Pluto is still a planet. <laughs> I sent Ashley this like little animation, and I was like, "Why do I find this so terrifying?" Because it went from just being like, you know, the sun at the center of our galaxy, and then the planets spinning around it on their like different cycles or whatever and their little ellipses and and then it was like this is how you think it works and then it shifted to being like but this is how it really works and it was the earth the sun hurtling through space and all this all of the planets like orbiting around it and they all just looked like they were about to get left behind oh <laughs> and i was like this is so stressful I hate space. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, it's terrifying. It is terrifying. I've been scared yeah. of it my whole life. Me too. And Me I'm too. less scared of it now than I was as a kid, but I couldn't yeah. even watch the opening to Star Trek. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it felt so lonely and disconnected yes, to me. I agree. I agree. And I feel like I, I'm like, like we have like a spectrum of like who's into astrology here and we're like lined up perfectly like, <laughs> in like a crescent moon shape. Yeah, yes. Like I I I don't know a lot about it and I feel like I don't have the like attention span and patience to get like super into it, but it has helped me kind of like overcome my fear of space because I nice. if I can like attribute like personalities, yeah, you know, yeah. the planets, but then it's less lonely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's cause it's 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 like that in the very deep ocean. I'm just like can't think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a real abyss quality yeah a real like emptiness yeah for sure let's take us to the meta dark we're just like <laughs> yeah we're yeah. lost in emptiness pizza night, yeah. pizza night. <laughs> the carbs are setting in along yeah. with the ennui <laughs> that's great pizza ennui night <laughs> if anyone can do it we can yeah for sure <laughs> people probably think we're all giggly all the time but no. No, in We're the all end, with in the end, there's a shitload of Scorpio and Capricorn placements at this table, so we are ready for the dark. <laughs> so, Steph, do you have any gossip this week? I do. And you both already know the gossip because I was live texting you about it. So, <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna do my best to recreate the scene and we immediately were like Steph you have to come on the podcast and tell everybody this so here we are yeah so so several or a couple weeks ago um I was on the Amtrak from Boston to New York on your way to a podcast thing right yes I was on my way to the to on air fest which was really really fun there were a bunch of great people there were great shows um you got to meet Steve Ramos I got to meet Steve Ramos <laughs> and um it was great. I did I did tell him I was like I was like I produce a show and they call me their Steven and he was like, "Oh." He's like, "I've never heard that before." I'm yeah. sure, yeah. <laughs> and I was hoping that he would cuz like, like I'm staff. I'm like that's like the male female version. And I hope he'd like be like, "Oh, we're the same, but it's fine." Um is he Steven with a V or Steven with a P? With a V. So yeah, it's fake, so you, yeah. you wouldn't get it. <laughs> Stav. <laughs> You're Stevia. a Steph. <laughs> Steph, George. <laughs> Steph, Jorgensen. <laughs> but yeah, um, I was on the way down to the On Air Fest. So I was sitting in 
my cabin and this must have been a good like 45 minutes out of the city. So I think we were like in Connecticut. Just just to like give you an idea of like how long this was going on for. <laughs> the the woman, there's a woman sitting in front of me and she got a phone call and she picked it up and had like the loudest phone conversation you could have possibly <laughs> had in public. And it was and it was a you know, it wasn't a quiet car, but everyone there was pretty quiet. You know, it was like yeah. listening to their stuff. No one was really talking and she was just like screaming into her phone. So I, um, <laughs> which let's just say who does not love an eavesdropping moment like that? Yes. If something is like particularly good and yeah. juicy, but at the same time, you're like, I hope this isn't bothering anybody else, but I'm kind of loving it as long as it's like, Oh yeah. Juicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was doing work and I had my earbuds in and I was like, I'm going to put whatever I'm listening to on mute. Keep the earbuds in. Listen, and then like pretend like pretend not to look like I'm listening, even though nobody <laughs> cares or is looking and I'm behind her. And she's so. screaming her freaking head off. Yeah. It's like she's an adult person. She's got yeah. to know. And there there was there was one point she like stood up and was still on the phone and I like, we like made eye contact and I was like, Oh god, now she's gonna stop she's gonna start speaking quietly. Didn't no, face her. Does not care. No. But I, I felt like I could see other people kind of doing the same thing. Like so I tried to capture as many quotes as I could. So I guess I'm just going to go through them. Yeah, please. Yeah. Absolutely. You can just literally read your text. They were I great. Think, you know, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Great. So I texted you both on February 23rd, Thursday, 2.52 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> and I said, overhearing some very strange gossip on the train, a woman is speaking loudly on the phone. Overheard snippets include, quote, she doesn't know who the fuck I am. And she's calling me asking what kind of cinnamon to use. I don't care. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Also, I love that we've got another cinnamon feature. <laughs> yes. <laughs> never leaves Lauren's me. <laughs> Uh, and then she says, I'm flabbergasted. I said I wanted to use one editor to get one voice and turn over as quickly as possible. And then she says, something's going on and it's not me. I'm sure she never thinks it's yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. I, yes, I got that. Sense it's never her problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely seemed like that kind of vibe. So I'm saying she must be some sort of intense writer. At first I thought maybe a food writer because of the cinnamon. Oh, yeah. Then she says... Paige Evans has never liked me. And this was the key yeah. piece of info that That's I will right. give a spoiler alert. Ashley did some like incredible detective work. <laughs> you know, yeah. this is why we gumshoes do what we do. Yeah. You know, this is why I'm here. This is the work that I have honed after decades <laughs> of being a busybody, yeah. frankly, yeah, yeah, yeah. and of being an internet sleuth. You know, I have come to this naturally. Yeah. And I'm only too happy. To have given my work in this cause <laughs> it, this day. It paid off. So This was also perfect because when you texted us this, uh -huh. I was on the couch doing like um, slug time and I was <laughs> yeah. like in sweatpants uh -huh. and, and, and a little beanie, like just real nasty. And so mm -hmm. this was perfect because I was like, oh, I'm never leaving this couch yeah. <laughs> till I, I have an answer. And I can't remember what I was doing, but I was not near my phone. And yeah. I came back and there were like 55 messages <laughs> on the Bay Patrol, like control room chat. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> and then you get into it and you're like, oh, Ashley's deciphered like, a code from World War II. <laughs> it's like the Da Vinci 
<laughs> cheat code yeah, exactly. train edition. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, so, so listeners, remember Paige Evans. Mm-hmm. We'll continue. Then she says, Sarah is all watercolors. What is that? Is this an expression? It is now. Yeah. She's all watercolor. I, I mean, I think means, we all know people like that, yeah, I right? I mean, she has like a, like like a squidgy, yeah, wishy-washy point of view. Doesn't have a lot yeah. of like boundaries. strong opinions. Maybe not boundaries. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you she's know. like a people pleaser. Isn't totally. going to put her foot down. Yeah. yeah. She wears a lot of linen. Uh, <laughs> which... <laughs> Says the woman in a yeah. linen shirt. Yeah, this isn't March. linen, it's cotton. Oh, okay. it just looks like linen. Okay. All right. I love linen. <laughs> yeah, same. But Sarah definitely wears linen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Probably from Coldwater Creek. Probably. Oh, <laughs> okay. Keep going. And I bet she wears a pastel scarf over. Oh, yeah. for sure. J. Jill. J. Jill. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Eileen Fisher. She's the full. Yeah. The full. Yeah. <laughs> then she says, I think I'm transgressing her notion of female novels. <laughs> Whoa. Which at this point I was like, okay, I love this one. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I don't care like what her opinion is or what she's writing about, like, fuck yeah. Like who even says that? That's yes. amazing. What and, a good and, sentence. Yeah, and, and I should say, like, I, I I don't I can't remember if I'd gotten like a good look at her like before she sat down, but I could tell by her voice that she was like older and turns out she's kinda like I would say maybe like in her like seventies, like white woman, mm-hmm. but like she had this just I was like, Oh man, transgressing her notion of female novels. Then she says, quote, I cannot wait to be rid of her. (laughs) And it's like, is is she talking about Sarah? Is she talking about Paige, a third woman? I know. We all know what that precedes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then she says, she has no idea about theater and no idea about who I am. What a statement. Yes. So this is where my little brain started like crackling. Yeah. I was like, okay, this person probably this person wrote a novel or is writing a novel. Mm-hmm. That's why she's talking about editors, why she's talking mm-hmm. about a firm point of view and you know, and that sort of thing. But then I was like, oh, she's clearly a th- like someone yes. involved in the theater. Yes. So I was like, well, that's interesting. So so these were some of the search terms that I ended up using <laughs> as I narrowed in on what we were what we were talking yeah. about here. Like Paige Evans Theater, Paige Evans, like whatever. Watercolors, you know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cinnamon. <laughs> I was just like, I'm, like when I heard that, I was like, who talks like this? Who this talks is, like this? Yes, like she has no idea about theater. I'm like, that is a line from like a movie making fun of a 1960s like art. Yeah, yeah. This you know? whole thing is yeah. so cinematic that, yes. it, and because it's on a train, yes. it feels like an Agatha Christie novel. Yeah, it feels like you are a, like a character witness or like a character slash witness yeah. from like an Agatha Christie, <laughs> and it also like. Part of me, like once we kind of get started getting on the the actor thread, I was like, yeah. "Is this an art piece? Is this performance oh, yeah. art that you're so actually funny. a part of now?" Uh-huh. Right. In yeah. my mind, Steph is the main character in a in like a rom com, yes. and she is your like angry boss. You don't even know that you're going <gasps> yes. to meet her oh, at yes. on air, like, and you're to gonna like, have to work for her. <laughs> yes, and it yes. turns out she's like you know sort of a narcissist who's like a giant name in like yes. New York theater, and you're like, oh my god, it's a little devil wears Prada situation. <laughs> yes. And then you're gonna meet some like incredibly warm, like gentle, yes. you know, admin or something who's also on the train. Who's also on the train? But I I haven't met them yet. Exactly. That's what it was going on in my mind. But yes. Anyway. Keep, yeah. Alternate if reality. Only. If only. Okay. So then I'm texting you saying, tell us who you are. And I said, I cannot wait to stay up all night and try to figure out which apparently female novelist is sitting two rows up for me. But I didn't have to because you, you found out. <laughs> then she says, 
Once I'm rid of her, I can't wait to blow this out of the park and rub her nose in it. Oh, right? <laughs> no, it's so good. This woman and is also, like, terrifying and my hero. I know, it's also yeah. me, honestly. Like, yeah. have I not had this exact conversation oh, yeah. in my head? I could never probably have gotten this out of my mouth. And you would public. never scream it on a train. Yeah, no, yeah. hell no. Yeah. And, I, and I don't even know if, if I would even say some of that stuff out loud because it's like pretty intense. But I yeah. like, have I had those thoughts? Oh, yeah. hell yeah. Well, who hasn't? I feel like yeah. every... Yeah. I can't wait to rub her nose in it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Welcome to me. Eight years old. I'm going <laughs> to win at minute math. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Okay. Here I am trying to get a look at her. I'm saying everyone on the train is pretending to do work, but clearly listening. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yes. And then her sign-off was, okay, well, I'm going to go see burlesque tonight, then have class tomorrow. Talk to you later. <laughs> Oh my god. So and good. then and she had oh right. And so then she was there was a man sitting next to her. Then they just had like a normal conversation after that. I think maybe he was like what burlesque show are you seeing or something like that. Didn't have any acknowledgement of like you were just screaming on the phone. You were <laughs> out of control of 5 seconds ago. Yeah. And um Yeah, cuz this is what brought the critical piece of information yes. for me. Where she's she, so they're having this conversation about burlesque. He was like, Oh, like, what venue are you going to? And she told him, and he was like, Oh, yeah, that's like a pretty, like, down and dirty place. And was like, Was like, it's great if you're a voyeur, and was like, Very, like, Where? Like, mm-hmm. And then she says, I live in Provincetown, so I see a different type of burlesque. Which, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah which means like, she, is she trying to say, like, I like to watch lesbian burlesque or something, which is great, or maybe gay, yeah, or like drag or, or something, or, drag burlesque. Yeah, yeah. Right. which because my. I just started searching like lesbian playwrights in Provincetown. Yeah. 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 So then Ashley started sending us um, pictures. Yeah. So Steph's texting this info and I'm like, this is too freaking juicy and I'm in Slugtown. So it's like perfect for me. <laughs> this I'm like, I'll, I'll do this for hours. So anyway, mm-hmm. so I started doing the same thing you're doing. I'm mm-hmm. Googling like Provincetown playwrights of note. So yes. and then I'm doing female novelist Provincetown. Mm-hmm. I'm doing, you know, female playwright Provincetown. And I'm going through lots of stuff. And what I'm doing now mm-hmm. is I start to go through the brochures of the Provincetown wow. um, of the Provincetown players <laughs> like summer stock <laughs> stuff. And I'm just picking out playwrights who are local. And then I'm Googling them, getting photos of them and sending them to Steph <laughs> to be like, is it this one? Is it this one? Because we can tell yep. by the way she's talking and, and Steph's like She's got to be old. Yeah. And I don't know. Had you seen her face when I had sent these photos or had you – did yeah, you stand up and she, walk by her? No, yeah, because she stood up to like get something from overhead. So, so right. I saw her. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so like we knew generally that like I wasn't going to be looking for like a 40-year-old, for yeah. example. Yeah, so yeah. we knew that. And so then – um, so I sent her a few that were like – You pro- got it on the second try. <laughs> yeah. I just say. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because I think I went through a couple and I was like, nah, this isn't going to be it. And then I also found out that Paige Evans yeah. is like the like marketing director or something of the of the Manhattan Theater yeah, yeah, company. Yeah. And so I also <laughs> cross-referenced the Providence playwrights with like <laughs> Province Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like P-Town Playwrights um, with like people who had done any kind of residency in mm. New York City or had any history with New York and ended up finding this woman, Dina Han- Yep, who was listed as a Wellfleet yes. playwright, which, you know, it's like, yeah. right around right the corner yeah. and who had history of New York theater yeah. work. And so clipped a little photo of her, sent it off to Steph. And Steph was like, oh, my God. And so where I got her name, I'll just tell you, is... 
this I, I kept some of the brochures up on my screen so you could just see like I just went through the yes. list of like of what plays were being shown and like in the list of like the local theater people Dina was one of the last yes. ones on the list and I was like well I'll check into this one then Incredible. I was like well Fleet's not far I was yeah. like so, <laughs> so she funny. looks like a real card too yeah. you can just tell <laughs> and in those photos yeah my mom had a boss named Dina for a short Whoa. time at Garnet Hill, Did you who was from her? New York. Who probably also wore a lot of linen. <laughs> Did you sure. ask your mom if... No, but I don't know that her boss would be in her 70s. Well, mm. my mom's in her 60s, so maybe. Mm. Weird. Who knows? That's wild. I don't remember her being a playwright and a novelist, though, so I don't know. I can't no. imagine that, like, the playwright novelist takes five years to go to Garnet Hill in <laughs> northern New Hampshire. Well, maybe she was doing, like, a character study. Perhaps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's my gossip is that I heard someone on a train <laughs> and we and figured then, out who she was yes, and she's a fairly well-known playwright. Yeah. Thank so, you so much for coming and bringing yeah. that story to us and oh, yeah. to the busy bodies because that is the a delight. Delight. Whoa! <laughs> delight on a plane. Delights on a plane. <laughs> anyway. So Ashley. Do you have any gossip? Oh, I do, but you, neither of you can tell anyone. Mm, no. <laughs> no. Telling um, everybody. So I love this because my gossip today is also a gossip that I constructed through a lot of internet sleuthing. And it also has to do with the art scene in New York City. Mm. So it's a really, you know, interesting little tie-in. And so I have some notes, and I'm just going to take us through this little saga here. Back on February 7th, I screenshotted an, uh, a New York Times alert because I read it. And I have to tell you that as soon as I read it, I could like smell the unmistakable whiff of gossip. <laughs> I was like, there's some sort of intrigue here. So I'm your investigative reporter this week. I have an entire entire report to read you. So I have like a little bit of a shallow interest in the symphony world. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a deep interest, it's just a shallow interest. And it's mostly just because of the movie Tar, which I just watched recently. I still haven't seen it. I Me wanted to either. see it in the theaters and it was just like never around. Yeah, that makes like, sense. It didn't have a super wide release and then they did widen it later, but whatever. So yeah. Tar. And then, but the deep one for me is Mozart in the Jungle, mm. which have either of you watched that mm -mm. show? I have. And it is my sister's favorite TV show of all time. That's awesome. I yeah. love never it too. It. I love it. It's a story of like a Latin American maestro who comes to run the New York City Orchestra. Huh. And it's just like, it has a lot of heart. It's oh, really interesting. It's got Bernadette yeah. Peters. It's got Bernadette Peters. It's got Gael yeah. Garcia Bernal, who yeah. like smoking. But it's it's great. And um and also, I'll just say about Tar, I actually didn't like it and I barely finished it. It sounds hmm. like no one. Oh, are you serious? Because everyone I hear talk about is like, this is a masterpiece. And everyone's like, What's her? I almost just called her Celine Dion. What the fuck? Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Celine Dion. It's My hand will go on. Yes. But the, everyone's saying like Kate Blanchett is going to take every like statue this year and like mm -hmm. all this stuff. And she inhabits the role. And I just was like, yawn, yawn, yawn. And we've seen enough like movies about like embroiled, embattled, yeah, like narcissistic artists. geniuses. Yeah. Geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> is it, wasn't there some like big infighting in the, oh, maybe this is what you're getting into in the symphony world about that movie? No, this isn't about that movie, but. Oh, okay. But, there was some like back and forth about how it like, it like clearly was about like one woman's story, but like oh. it was completely misrepresented and it wasn't actually like 
told as if it was her story but like there were so many little details that lined up and interesting she had come out and been like i feel like this like misrepresents a lot a oh, that's lot so of interesting. like it wasn't a biopic but it kind of was I don't, i'll have to find the article yeah maybe we'll crack into that next next week yeah yeah <laughs> but so that's but that's why i have like any interest in symphonies or or orchestra stuff like because i don't go to the symphony i don't go to the orchestra Anyway, it also turns out that Mozart in the Jungle was like loosely based on a character who's a part of today's gossip. So oh. I thought that was really interesting. I did not know that until I was going into like doing all of my research here. Okay, so let's like locate ourselves in the world of world class symphonies. So we're thinking like very highfalutin, aristocratic, mm. high class, like very moneyed, very old really exclusive. And so like that world is very interesting to me. I also gag over it a little bit, like in the bad way, gag in the bad way. <laughs> um, so anyway, I read nothing short of like 15 or 16 articles as I was preparing for this today. Um, so I just want to know, want you all to know that I sourced this from the LA Times, the New York Times, the New Yorker, NPR Vulture, a classic music blog called Slipped Disc and, <laughs> and Down in Country. <laughs> wow. You really, little TNC. Yeah. 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 Well, part of the problem was that I had to broaden my search in terms of outlets because I kept like flying through all the free articles I was allowed to have, oh, <laughs> yeah. you know? So the alert on the 7th that I screenshotted read, Gustavo Dudamel, one of the world's top maestros, will leave the Los Angeles Philharmonic to lead the New York Philharmonic. Mm. And I thought, oh, man, what's the deal there? So let's settle in. We're going to do a little backstory Mm. here. Gustavo Dudamel. So he was born in Venezuela. He's the one who is supposedly kind of biographied in Mozart in the Jungle, but it's like very oblique. It's not really a story, but born in Venezuela. He's a violinist. He gets involved with El Sistema, which is the Venezuelan like musical education program, which has come under fire over the past few years, I found also while doing this (laughs) research um, for structural and systemic abuses. And I did not go into that story. So Mm -hmm. y'all can Google that on your own. So he gains low-level notoriety around the world. He kind of plays everywhere. He's like in Europe. He's playing in Vienna. He's playing in Berlin. He's like a kid. He's like he's like 10 years old. And he's playing in these places. Mm-hmm. Um, he starts conducting when he's young, like little. And he starts composing. And he kind of seems interesting partly because he's representing Latinx culture in this like high – kind of world that's very white but he's also interesting because he has a huge personality and famously this like wild curly hair and so people are like always talking about his hair as i was like reading through these articles it's like every single media outlet has to mention the hair Hmm. i'm like Hmm. okay all right i'm like this is a lot you know Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe we're supposed to expect that in like stodgy conservative circles i'm not really sure i don't know you know know. maybe but also i feel like a lot of conductors have really wild hair right like isn't mozart like like, wasn't the character in amadeus like wasn't like half that movie about his freaking hair i feel like it was like i don't know um so we're gonna leave gustavo for now we're gonna talk about the other important figure in this story who is deborah borda and so deborah borda is um Now we know her as like a visionary administrator and executive within the like symphony world. But so we're in the mid 2000s when we start this story with Deborah. So she in the mid 2000s, she's in an executive position at the L.A. Philharmonic. And at this time, S.A. Pekka Salonen 
is a great Finnish composer who is the musical director and the maestro at the LA Phil. Okay. Mm. And he's beginning to wind down his time there. And so Gustavo, meanwhile, has debuted with the LA Phil at the Hollywood Bowl. And he's only 24 years old, like kind of an unknown, like as a soloist. Uh, they're, they're doing that. And at that time, that's when Essa Pekka is the maestro. So there are some conflicting reports, but by the sound of it, Deborah Borda enticed Gustavo to join the L.A. Phil in the first place, like when she sort of got there in the early 2000s. And then by 2009, Essa Pekka leaves and Deborah Borda is instrumental in promoting Gustavo to the musical director of the L.A. Phil. Okay, and he's the maestro there for a long time. In an NPR article... Borda says this. She recalled first meeting Dudamel in 2004 when he won the Gustav Mahler conducting competition in Bamberg, Germany, leading the namesake composer's Fifth Symphony. He was just 23 years old. Deborah said, it was the greatest single Mahler five I have ever heard. She said, when I first saw him conduct, it was simply the greatest talent I've ever seen. It's a 100-year talent. At age 14, he could conduct all the Beethoven and Mahler symphonies from memory because he was the music director of the Simone Bolivar Orchestra at age 12. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. So that's wild. So she's like, so he got a big name for himself in LA, um, became kind of an institution and a pop cultural icon while he's the maestro at the LA Phil. And he went really hard for Yola, which is the youth orchestra of LA. And so people said that he was so big and charismatic that his public personality combined with Deborah's like incredible visionary shit behind the scene and also her like financial prowess ended up building the LA Phil into the being the top contender of orchestras in the country. So the LA Times, which I admit is like kind of biased in this situation, but <laughs> refers to the LA Phil as the nation's most prominent orchestra. <laughs> so, so well done. I know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, back to Deborah. So here's where some of the rivalry between the, the New York Philharmonic and the LA Philharmonic is kind of gets like spicy. From an LA Times article in March 2017, um, I used a couple of different pieces from this outlet at this time. Deborah Borda started her career at the New York Philharmonic. Okay, started it in New York, but then was lured away in 2000 in the year 2000 by LA because she was having a difficult relationship with the New York Philharmonic. And so, reading between the lines and like reading a few bits and bobs here on the internet, um, it turns out that like the New York Philharmonic was conservative with her vision, wouldn't let her take control at all, and then she left for LA. And when she took the helm, the LA Phil became the best in the country. And then so it goes for years. Gustavo and Deborah are like killing it in L.A. So cut to March 2017. Huge news. She's been killing it in L.A. And now this news comes up that Deborah Borda is leaving the L.A. Phil to go back to the New York Phil. After all of her like success in L.A., she gets the satisfaction of actually the New York Phil had slunk back to her, begging for her to come back. Tail between the legs. We've seen all of your wild success. We want you to help us. I would love to know what it took to lure her back. I know. Like, how much money? What would it yeah. take? Totally. And so it turns out it's totally unprecedented for someone to return in this way to the orchestra. Like, hmm. if you leave, you are gone. Oh. And so it's it's totally unprecedented. But she does it. And then in another article, the LA Times broke some news about her early years in New York City. Um, and this is the quote. The first woman to head the New York Philharmonic Orchestra, she clashed with the music director, who was the maestro, Kurt Mazur, and the board. So strong was the undercurrent of sexism at the orchestra that the then head of the LA Philharmonic. So 
she's in New York, the then head of the LA Philharmonic, whose name is Ernest Fleischman, sends a letter to the New York Times defending Deborah Borda from the sexism that she's experiencing from the board and the music director at the New York Phil. And then it's that guy who poaches her. So he does this like he does this like very public like, you know, the New York Philharmonic is a sexist piece of shit and we're going to leech their best talent and takes her and then she builds the whole orchestra in L.A. like over. okay, and she inherited a multimillion dollar deficit from Ernest Fleischman when she started at the L.A. Phil and when she left the L.A. Phil in 2017, it was already it was pulling in a three hundred and fifty million dollar endowment. Wow. And how long was she there when? So that was probably about 17 years. Okay. And other reports are that it's the happiest orchestra. Like everyone loves working there. People Mm -hmm. are like really pleased to work there. So she's really killing it. So March 2017, she announces she's leaving LA to go back to New York and it's wild. The New York Philharmonic is operating in a deficit, a full deficit. They're like bleeding. They're like, please come help us. And the New York press is kind of blah about the current uh, music director whose name is Jaap van Zweden. And at the time, the New Yorker is writing about this music director at the New York Philharmonic and, and the New Yorker, they're so... They're just so stodgy sometimes, <laughs> but they're writing about, you know, they're, they're like hurting their own Philharmonic Orchestra by like writing mean stuff about it, but yeah. like, cause they can't help themselves because they're all like, you know, stuffy intellectuals, but they write about Jan, um, I'm sorry, Yap. They write about him and say that they are, they are quote, baffled by his appointment and they refer to him as the Millard Fillmore of conductors. <laughs> Which is like what? Oh my <laughs> That's god. even just like a stuffy way of putting that. It. Oh, it's so yeah. funny. Oh my god. <laughs> you know they're like, oh, 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 oh. like exactly. oh good one. Oh. <laughs> Millard Fillmore, he'll never recover. Yeah. I concur. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And so that but that's not like that's like the smallest of problems because at the same time their their Lincoln Center home, which is the David Geffen Hall, is like crumbling and they have to renovate it. Another quote from the L.A. Times, who was clearly shading the New York City Philharmonic at this time. The L.A. Times says the orchestra faces years of homelessness during the renovation, potentially diminishing its audience and support. So you can tell there's like tiny little barbs that they're just sending across the country at one another. (laughs) So meanwhile, Borda meets... Yap, and they professionally adore each other right away. So just professional, I promise. There's no sexual intrigue here. Um, so she's ready to support him. Their working relationship is okay, but the public never like falls in with Yap, and they're just never really into him. And then there's rumors in the New York Times that he has high artistic standards, but he's really boring and he's not charismatic. And then there's like other critics who are like, he's too bombastic. So they can't. Huh. They're like, they're like, he's too much. He's not quite enough. He's not this. He's is not he that. a woman? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know. He like can't. Can't yeah. win, which sucks for him in so many ways. But at any rate, then COVID hits. So this is like poor our little hero Deborah. She's only been with the with the New York Phil now for like a cup for I guess like four years and co- or three years, and COVID hits, and so that like is terrible. And Yap ends up in the Netherlands for most of COVID because we have this, he was in the Netherlands when everything locked down and then we banned European travelers to the US. So he was stuck in the Netherlands. So his relationship with New York really crumbled. Mm. So basically, and then he goes through like a personal turmoil and decides that he wants to be with his family more. So he comes back in 2021, but tell, but announces that he's leaving. And this sucks also because he was, he was like huge before he came to New York. He 
revived the Dallas Symphony Orchestra and he was once the country's highest paid maestro. So he was like kind of a big deal. Came to New York. New York was like, you're not interesting enough for us. You're too much of this. You're not enough of this. Anyway, so he announces he's going to step down by 2024. At this point, he'll also have been the New York City maestro with the shortest tenure since the 70s. So I feel kind of sad for Yop. But anyway, at that point, the orchestra does end up being homeless <laughs> um, because the David Geffen Hall, like Deborah fucking rings it out and gets it renovated. And I think it's actually renov- still being renovated right now. And everyone's going to move back into the David Geffen Hall in 2024. So orchestra is homeless. COVID caused layoffs. There's tons of shrink. There's lots of cancellations. Deborah's like, we need something. And then somehow she convinces Gustavo to leave L.A. and to join her in NYC. So that's where we are here, getting the band back together. (laughs) Um, So the announcements came out last month, and that's when I screenshotted this thing. When asked about his move, he said he is leaving because in 2026 is when he's going to be leaving. So that's when his contract ends in L.A. And he's like, I will have been in this position in L.A. for 17 years. And New York City is closer to Paris, where he's also the music director of the Paris Opera. (laughs) And New York City is closer to his second home in Madrid. Sounds like a rough life. I know. (laughs) But he also said that New York represents a different animal and the challenge is really interesting. So and then the L.A. Phil Orchestra, the L.A. Philharmonic is like heartbroken. All the people in it are like crying, crying, crying. They're like, he's the best maestro we've ever had. Like, how will we go on without him? It's like so heartbreaking. Gustavo agrees to come and then Deborah resigns. What? I know. So she's done in June of 2023, and then she's going to be in some like executive position with the board, so still involved. Um, but I will just say her claims to fame are that she led the, she kept the orchestra alive and paid through COVID, got the hall renovated happening, spearheaded commissioning 19 original pieces by 19 women, which is great and yeah. like you know pretty incredible. And then okay, her successor is Gary Gintzling. I just wanted to say it, but I don't know who he is. <laughs> He's he runs the National Symphony Orchestra in DC. So finally, I'll just say, we know that there's a rivalry going on, and I'm just going to read you a couple of quick things about this rivalry, and we'll be done. So The New Yorker did a piece on Gustavo's move, and they had a lot to say, as you can imagine. (laughs) Um, The very first sentence is, no one wants to hear anything more about the purported rivalry between New York and Los Angeles. And now she's like, I do. I know. So they wrote a story about it. I was like, I want to. And I even Googled, like whatever like rivalry and it was really hard i googled like rivalry gossip like you know philharmonic gossip like i couldn't get anything yeah so no one wants to hear anything more about the purported rivalry between new york and los angeles two self-fascinated metropolitan regions vying for control of the national psyche to the irritation of the remainder of the country Uh, anyway, so the appointment. Well, do they know? Like, the remainder of the country has no fucking idea yeah. what's happening in no either kidding. of those cities. No. And that's what I love about people who live in those two cities, especially. It's I like, know. they think everyone's paying attention to them, no and one. nobody gives a shit that they exist. Nobody gives a shit, man. <laughs> Give me a break. Unless you're there, nobody's paying attention to you. Exactly. Anyway, I digress. And so the appointment of Gustavo, this is their quote, the appointment was variously described as a coup, a major coup, a total coup, and an East Coast coup. <laughs> Los Angeles was thought to be reeling from the blow. It was, according to a New York Times report from LA, a strike at the soul of the city. <laughs> the article okay the article the rest of the article was very funny to me i did not pull any more quotes because i know this is quite long but um it does go on to cite examples of how the new york philharmonic is always copying the la philharmonic (laughs) 
<laughs> and then it cites an article in the New York Times about how New York is basically trying to become LA these days. And this is just one example of it by getting Gustavo. <laughs> so much hand wringing about the soul of New York and how New York like is needs to be New York, not LA. <sighs> oh, gosh. I love it. It is like entirely the story of everyone who either lived in New York and moved to LA or everyone who lived in LA and moved to New York. Oh my God. Totally. And it's been hap- it, like so much of that is happening right now. There's just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and they definitely talk about how good Gustavo is, but then they spend paragraphs on how his physicality doesn't match his musicality. And like, he's dancey, but the actual music he coaxes out is sort of banal now that he's middle-aged. It's like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then from Vulture, um, they're the ones who, give us a little teeny piece of ending gossip, which is that his departure from the West Coast opens the door for the LA Philharmonic to lead again, this time perhaps by appointing the first woman to lead a top-tier orchestra. The Finnish conductor, Susanna Maki, is already its principal guest conductor, and her name is periodically cropped up on speculative shortlists. Her odds increased by regular guest appearances. And then there's some other possible successors, including um, another woman or two. And then they also are thinking that there's a possibility that the conductor who was at the LA Phil right before Gustavo Esapeca may come back. Esapeca's mm. in San Francisco um. right now at the San Francisco Phil. So anyway, those are all our little stories, a little rivalry happening. <laughs> I was excited to do a little bit of research about them to hear these little stories. And I also just really like that in the middle of this rivalry, there's like this really cool powerhouse woman who was treated like shit by the men in New York and then went and like was like fine. I'm gonna make LA look fucking amazing while you guys are drowning. And so in debt. amazing, you're yeah. gonna come back on your knees. On your yes. knees. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for <laughs> listening to my orchestral gossip. <laughs> um, Lauren, do you have any uh, gossip this week? I do. Okay. And it's not super new. I had caught wind of this. Like as you both know, I like do not love Twitter, mm-hmm. and I never paid attention. <laughs> To my own Twitter, even though I had an account until recently when I finally like didn't have to oversee any Twitter accounts and deleted my own. But I remember this popping up last fall uh, when we had some work stuff going on on Twitter and I had to be there, be in there um, more often than not. And I remember seeing this pop up and thinking it was just like funny and that I wanted to read more about it at some point. And then I kind of forgot about it. And um, it just resurfaced because John Oliver did a piece on it this week. But... (laughs) It's like the busybodies have to hear this if they haven't already. So it turns out that world's (laughs) worst politician, Ron DeSantis, Mm -hmm. when he was in college and was dating, he would do this thing where he would go on a date and he would say to his date that he really loved Thai food. But instead of saying Thai food, he would pronounce it thigh food. No, no. And he would pronounce it thigh food. And if they corrected him, he would stand up and walk walk out on the date. And because, and this is, these are quotes from somebody who went to college with him and knew him at the time. His nickname was D, which is hilarious. Um, (laughs) And uh, this guy reported that he did it specifically because he did not want a woman who, he didn't want to be with a woman who would correct him. Wow. That is so fucked. Thai food. (laughs) Give me a fucking brack. (laughs) That is unbelievable. Yeah. And I have this theory. Mm. So like that is really shitty. But I also think because he has such a he's such the type to like have a bruised ego once and then spin a whole tale around it. That I'm like, did he just not know? And he mispronounced Thai food and then he got corrected by a woman. And then he spun it into the story to cover his ass like that was some kind of test that aligned with his beliefs about men and women. That's my other theory. And I 
either way, he's such a shitbag loser. It's <laughs> yeah. just unbelievable. It's so bad. It's yeah. embarrassing. It's yeah. like ugh, and it's so misogynistic. Mm-hmm. It so is. I mean, yeah, it's very on brand. And I also will say that I find Ron DeSantis a little bit interesting, only because, as you know, I have like a few little like face blindness things, and for people, yes. people, mm-hmm. I often will like think people look alike but it's different than when i have like a face blindness reaction mm-hmm. which is really that like like i cannot distinguish them unless you put the pictures side by side and tell me this is this person and this is this person i don't have a ton of that but there are a few kind of prominent examples i have that with ron DeSantis and tucker carlson oh. and it's funny that their <laughs> politics align so much yeah. and it's only that like Ron DeSantis just has like a fatter head than Tucker Carlson. And that is the only reason I can tell them apart. And I like it just like blows my mind. So even when I was telling this story ahead of ahead of today, I was like, don't say Tucker Carlson. No, no this way. is not a story about Tucker Carlson. Like, don't that sounds like say something it. he would do though. It does, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like it would not surprise my me. Wife yeah. yeah. Tucker Carlson. Yeah. yeah. Tucker Carlson, my least favorite main resident. He's a Maine resident? Yes. He does his broadcasts from Maine. Wait, really? Yeah. So during COVID, uh, Bryant Pond, which is like up on the way to Bethel, kind of like on on the way up to like Sunday River. I'm so sad. Wow, he's kept that under wraps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now the whole world knows. (laughs) All the busybodies just get in vans and drive to Bethel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he built out a studio. So like he broadcasts from there. Or he did during COVID. I assume that he still is. But um Yeah. Ron DeSantis. Yeah. What a loser. What a loser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> loser. I will say that. I don't know if you've, you've caught wind of this, but you know, Donald Trump is kind of in this like spat with him uh-huh. and they're like competing and, and Donald Trump's whole thing is giving people these stupid nicknames. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so he's tried <laughs> yes. a few over yes. over the, the time period, but his new one that I think will stick is Meatball Ron. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Is Tiny D. <laughs> well, that's so funny because Ron DeSantis is currently trying to co-opt Big Dick Energy. Oh, and he's and it's gross. with Big DeSantis Energy. Ew. And they've they Ugh. there was like a speech given by um oh, who was it Carrie Lake uh-huh. who um referred to BDE and then was like ask your kids what it means like it's like don't first of all don't ask children about big yeah, dick energy yeah, exactly <laughs> like, Carrie what the hell uh, but yeah big DeSantis energy oh my god oh man I want to know someone named Meatball Ron not Ron DeSantis <laughs> but like like the like the old deli attendant down the road from yeah. me yeah. Yeah. aka Meatball Ron I just want to know any grown man named Meatball <laughs> <laughs> really, like, Doesn't it, it does wrong. kind of sound like my type. Yeah, I like totally. Meatball. Yeah, absolutely. Meatball Ron. Meatball Audette. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds you, like my dad. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the idea of you dating someone named Meatball, and then you get married, and then instead of taking his last name, Ball. you take his first name. Meat. No, 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 no. His first name is Meatball. So then when you get married, you're like, my last name is really important to me, but I want our families to merge, so I will also be Meatball. We're just like a poor version of Meatloaf. (laughs) (laughs) They're not getting those sweet royalty checks at all. (laughs) (sighs) Meatloaf is Meatball's dad. Or brother. (laughs) Okay. (sighs) Anyway. That's my goss. Thank you so much. Yeah.
It yeah. gets us right into our uh, our dating our dating section. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I started, so this profile was from a guy who actually super swiped me on Bumble. And I was like, ooh, what's the deal? And I saw he is a journeyman lineman in a union. And I was like, cool, Mm -hmm. loving that. And in his 40s. And I was like, cool. And he was pretty cute. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, great. And I start Mm -hmm. to read his about me section. (laughs) And, um, And it starts out, I'm like, yes. And then it immediately, or like by the end, I'm like, Goodbye. <laughs> okay. Divorced dad, Volvo wagon, a big plus. Mm-hmm. Harley's, fine. NPR, mm-hmm. Inc., blue collar. Mm-hmm. Very rewarding career that I love. Reading real books and newspapers. Mm-hmm. Computers are cool, but please. Which I was like, oh, we what? suddenly took a weird right What is turn. that supposed to mean? Like reading real books and newspapers. Computers are cool, but please. Oh, gotcha. So that, I think okay. that's what that is. Yeah. I'm a great cook and I eat healthy. Good. Adventure seeker. Unsure. (laughs) Unsure about adventures. Um, ENTJ for you profilers. We like Myers-Briggs. Do you love an ENTJ? Because I find I get nervous of the J's. Oh, I'm a J. I mean, okay. Yeah, (laughs) I can see that. Capricorn. (laughs) Capricorns and Virgos are going to be J's. Should we say what those letters are in case listeners don't? Don't know the Myers Briggs. So, Hopefully, everyone does. Yeah. But. So, so P is perceiving, which is the opposite of J, which is judging. But judging is not necessarily like harsh, judgmental. Right. It's like how you intake and process. absorb and yeah, process yeah. information. And you're a discerner. Like you have a discerning yeah. personality. Which I, is I will great. say, I I get along really well with ENTPs. Mm. So EN, you say is an ENTJ. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I have to tell you, I swing depending on like what I'm doing for work and how my day to day life is. Mm. I swing between INFJ and ENFP, oh my which God. is wild. Well, I have that same swing. Oh, you do? Really? Yep. Those Bro. are the two letters that swing. Did you know? So, IN- so INFJ is supposedly the rarest mm-hmm. Myers-Briggs type. Yeah. Um, two of us here though blowing that statistic right <laughs> out I'm an INFJ wow yeah wow. and I I think I've only ever tested differently once and because a cool thing about the Myers-Briggs is that like it's supposed to be a like a personality test that like expects that you're going to move along different spectrums of each placement over your life yeah so like and like most people will shift most often on the the EI scale because mm-hmm. like introversion extroversion mm-hmm. like changes so much over life. I think I've only tested in the E once and it was by like one percent. Mm-hmm. I've been pretty consistently in INFJ, but I love that we're both or all INFJs. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. oh wild. I think I'm more. I skew more ENFJ and then I yeah. but I dip my I toe into that. INFJ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I That's should take so it again. It's been a long time since I took. We it. should all yeah. take it again. We, we should. should. Yeah. We should take it again before Sunday. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Then we, we can, can yes. you know, so revisit. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Um, Wait, before so, no, that's oh, great. Oh, oh, before we record next, I was yeah. like, but this won't. I thought you meant so we could post the results. No, and I was yeah. like, this, we got weeks, <laughs> but yeah, we should talk about it. Yeah. All right, adventure seeker ENTJ for your profilers, and then here's where he really can lost me. <laughs> the Oxford comma is used exclusively by assholes. <laughs> <laughs> love he has a big opinion on it i love that and then he ends with please be funny 
That's where he loses. That's where he loses you. Oh my god, the Oxford comma is critical to me, and I will I will brook no refusal of its supremacy. (laughs) I I thought you meant I was projecting my interpretation onto it when Mm -hmm. people. I'm so sorry. Oh no, of you. When people state their opinion on the Oxford comma, mm-hmm. that's my red flag. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, this is, we're talking about a comma? I understand that. I, yeah. I totally get that because I would never in my yeah. dating profile put it. But if he's going to have this crazy like, sure. opinion, I'm like, no. If you're going to give me an opinion, it better be the right one. <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned the Oxford comma because I today was editing something that that somebody sent me to take a look at before it gets sent out as an email and i saw and of course now i can't remember what it is but i saw like the one and only time i've ever been like you know what an oxford oxford and oxford here that's the problem yeah. um, and I- <laughs> <laughs> um i was like you know what the oxford comma makes this read incorrectly and it doesn't happen very often Mm. and i skew heavily oxford comma but i was like oh yeah this means something different when you put it in there it was it was strange and i Mm. i wish i could remember what it was but i was just that was literally today i am stunned shocked chagrined heartbroken by this information yeah so now i'm I'm more of a centrist now than i was Mm. 48 hours ago (laughs) wow that makes sense you (laughs) neolib I do support a head like like overuse of commas. Mm-hmm. Oh please, yeah. yes, break yeah. that shit up. Yeah, you know, it yeah, helps. yeah, yeah. Do you have any profiles to uh, discuss with? The I group? do, and this one involves punctuation as well. Oh so my we're gosh. just gonna like slide right wow, into it. Weird things that we went from the New York theater world to the New York Philharmonic to the Oxford comma. No, it's like monkey bars. <laughs> <laughs> Been right along. It's almost like we planned it. <laughs> if only people knew how unplanned this I know. is. Actually, I think they probably have a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, we sound like a well-oiled machine. <laughs> like, wow, how do they do it? <laughs> Just shit. What, tie your shoes? Yeah, I know. Some screenshots that we scroll through. <laughs> Lauren has started taking screenshots of screenshots so that they they So that they down. populate in the most recent part of my phone. <laughs> So I go, I'll go back like two years to screenshots of dating profiles and then re-screenshot them, which means they also then save again to all of the places I back up my photos. I'm a, I'm a data nightmare. You could you could start a, like a Bay Patrol folder. I could, yeah. And I have a few for specific things, but anyway. Um, but no, <laughs> is basically a short answer. <laughs> okay, so I found this and I laughed so hard because <laughs> this person has responses to prompts on their dating profile that sound like texts from my father. <laughs> now, to give you a little bit of background, my dad is is not an illiterate person. <laughs> but he has like big like man fingers. He's like not like dexterity is like with is not like <laughs> I wouldn't say he's the most dexterous person I know. And he just, you know, like he didn't grow up 
texting in a phone. Yeah. Um, so he's not super delicate with the old thumbs. Yeah. So it's like he's texting with one sausage. Yes. And he just taps his, his stylus yeah. as a sausage. And that's even when he uses his thumbs. And actually, he stopped. He's just, oh, now he really only does voice to text. Mm. The problem is uh. that unless he's like wearing his glasses or can get it like far enough away from his face, he can't actually like proofread it. Mm. So he voice to texts and then just sends. <laughs> okay. And so maybe I'll like read you a text from my father just to like yeah. set the stage. Please. Here. Here's one example of a text from my father. Hey, Lauren, how you doing? Hey, I'm headed to Connecticut and you guys going to have fun weekend. I don't know what you're up to. Sunny day. That could works for Vietnamese food. Court will be back around 637, uh, which is the number 637. But I'm pretty sure he means around 637 uh, from her trip and not Sunday, Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> not, not Sunday, Monday, Monday. Skippy the heads up with, with your schedule is. And that, that is like how the kinds of things I have to decipher decipher for my father. I love it. Like, that's yes. Yeah, whatever yeah. that text says, just send. They'll, yeah. they'll figure it and, out. And I have to imagine that if you were to text back <laughs> asking for clarification, he would send you another voice to oh. text. Absolutely. Equally as yeah, you have to call him. And so my sister and I have found that like the key to this is that you have to read them out loud in a style that dad would speak, and then you can kind of piece (laughs) it. Like if you say it together, like you're just like, oh, that's what this how the voice to text interpreted what he said. He has sort of like a halting, very like a shorthand, like specific way of speaking yeah um and it makes no sense until you read it out loud yeah, like so even now do... i'm uncovering what i think he means as i say this out loud I'm like, oh i bet that's what he meant yeah you have to do like a performance cadence to like get it right that's so interesting can yeah you, can you read one like him yeah yeah, I don't think I can. Okay. I can. I don't think I can act it out. So okay, the one I'm going to read now is like in a whole string. So this is not like oh, I man. have not like responded to my father. This is this is the fourth in a in a. This is the fourth paragraph he has sent me. <laughs> hey, Lauren. <laughs> I got, hey, Lauren. In the middle of five text messages. So, hey, Lauren. No, it's sad. I just looked at the hours of sunlight. I'm going to you guys. <laughs> I'm going to you guys have exactly eight hours of sunrise, sunrise to sunset, and down here, it's an hour and an hour plus an hour. over. Oh, and down here, it's an hour and an hour plus an hour. And, and, in five minutes, an hour, and, and, and ten minutes plus. Like, what? So just to recap, eight hours of sunrise, sunrise, sunset. And down here, it's an hour and an hour plus an hour and five minutes, an hour and ten minutes plus. <laughs> so, so, I'm not crying. I just, that was one I could not piece together at all. So, um, all right. So, anyway, I found, I found this dating profile that really just sounds like. I was like, this was written by my father, I think. <laughs> just oh, time. Up, kissy face. <laughs> uh, all 
great. It's it's also like the way that it's written does also sound like the way that my father speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, with some gr- the grammatical errors that come out of him voice to texting. The prompt is, this is from Hinge, the prompt is, I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for the individual that's able to keep it up. <laughs> Sorry. That's not, <laughs> that's not what it says. All right. I'm looking for the individual that's able to keep it on the up same pace with similar likes in life to share in shares alike, which makes a great investment for each. And I will just say up same place with similar likes in life to share in shares is all capitalized. (laughs) Yes. And there's another one from the same individual says I'm a regular at. Keep all situations up front on the brighter side and only way to survive? <laughs> Three question marks. Issues have solutions. Can be dealt with. It takes two. Dot, dot, dot. Capital P partnership. Thumbs up. <laughs> yep. I was like, Dad? <laughs> No, no, can't date my father. (laughs) Yep, yep. I was like, oh, I know this guy. This feels very familiar. (laughs) Let's do some flags. Steph, did you bring us a red flag today? I did. Great. What's your red flag? So my red flag is when people, specifically very early on in dating, like put you on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Which I know is like um an, an example from like somewhat recently is uh someone said to me in a like a dating context, like, I just think you're like so much cooler than I am. And I was just like, nope. Mm-hmm. Do not want to be any part of that dynamic on either end. Yeah. I've been on both ends. It sucks. Yeah. It makes yeah. everyone feel terrible. And nope, not interested. Yeah. We are yeah. not doing that. I'm so yeah. proud of you. That's so healthy. <laughs> I know. I don't know if I'm there yet even. Wow. Great job. Yeah. You're right. Because like you don't really want to date within hierarchy or whatever, you know. Yeah. And it's and it's and I feel like it's even weird to talk about. But like I'm just like I, I don't want to be put in that position. And I don't I don't want someone to feel that way about themselves and then also like take on a sense of like responsibility. Mm hmm. For totally. that, you know, like, and I want people to feel nice about themselves. And yeah, it's just like, I don't. and I think that that attitude can also like flip sometimes being like, you're so great. And then it turns into like, I hate you. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's so true. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, yeah, I've put you on this pedestal and then you aren't living up yes. to this expectation that is completely false that yep. I've like projected yeah, onto now you're you and now shit. I'm angry about it. Yeah. 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 And now you're actually dirt. Like now yeah. you're nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I feel yeah. like, like depending on the person's personality, it can just lead into like total self-deprecation and that's a really weird uh dynamic or it can turn very yeah like mean and angry and like mm-hmm. yeah that kind of like you're not living up to it and now i'm 
very angry at you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. that's, that's my, that's my red flag. Yeah. There, um, I'm not a huge Courtney Barnett fan, mm. but there is that, there is one song where she like sings about like, it's like, put me on a pedestal, only disappoint you. Yeah. And it's yeah, just yeah. so like yeah. good. And I've really like needed that song, like that song at times in my yes. life. And it's like, just like screamy and kind of like mm. angry enough and like energetic. I just, I love the energy of that song. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just helps you get through these these things because I think we've probably both we've probably all been on both sides of that feeling you know yeah yeah for sure that's great great that's a good good big red flag how about you miss bliss my red flag is incredibly tiny but I ran across this um on hinge and screenshot it because it like it flagged me for sure and I don't know that you're ever going to run across this again necessarily but I was just like no (laughs) like such a deep no response um you know how like in there's a section in the middle where you get like your age and your gender and your sexuality and all of that and your height Mm. and all that stuff is listed and then also your job Mm -hmm. is listed and this guy has as his job adult babysitter at my two businesses at business owner times two (laughs) (laughs) what if it was written by the same guy (laughs) no but wow. the deal, the red flag of it, it, like it's clear that he's just trying to express very intensely that he has two businesses. Mm-hmm. But but the worst part is adult babysitter yeah. kills me. Yeah. yeah, Like I've been in leadership for a long time now and I just cannot imagine using the phrase adult babysitter, which is what everyone uses when they want to say like, I'm a manager and everyone else is fucking yes. dirt. Yep. And I'm just like, it grosses me out so much. And mm-hmm. it's almost always dudes i feel there are i'm sure plenty of women who say this too but every almost every time i've heard someone be like i'm an adult babysitter at work or whatever it's always a guy and it just grosses me out to treat to be like you're in management you're leading people and you want to talk about them in this way yeah and so much so that it's like so important to you that you put on your dating and what you don't realize is you're really talking about yourself and what a shitty leader you are exactly Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's interesting when you read that i didn't read that as management i read it as oh this is like I had a red flag response, but I thought it was because it was a dad who was referring to himself as the an adult who was babysitting his kids. And I, oh. that's one of my red flags is when parents refer to it as babysitting and it's yeah. almost oh, always men. And it's like, you're not babysitting. You are a parent. This yeah. is not like an added duty. Yeah. This is what you signed up for. Yeah, this is your prime so, duty, ding dong. That's where my head yeah. went. And then the businesses threw me off because obviously it's <laughs> not what it's about. But um, yeah, interesting. I know. I just don't Can like Can you read it. it again? Yeah. Adult babysitter at my two businesses at business owner times two. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I just wheezed my asthma into into the microphone a little bit. Business owner times two is funny. Like, yeah, <laughs> I do business like, times, I, two. Like, times two times <laughs> two. Double down, dicking on the business. Oh god! <laughs> I recently saw um, somebody's uh, a sort of insufferable profile. Uh, the whole profile was, but specifically this one part, the, the part where they listed their job, and it said pretty high up the ladder. That's all it said. <laughs> 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 Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> Disgusting. Uh, competing synergies. Uh, if we could ping me later, get me on my Slack channel. <laughs> Grossing me out pretty high up the ladder. Vom, vom, vom. 
<laughs> All those things until the latter sounded like me, like Monday through Friday every week. I can't even tell you how many times I say ping, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? I'm sorry. It's, it always sounds so cute, and then as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, no, I sound like a douchebag. You don't. You re- When you do it, it's cute. But when, oh, when Boy on Hinge do it, it's bad. <laughs> it's true. I will never talk about a Slack channel or... <laughs> Yeah, we'll never be like I'm pretty high up the ladder. Yeah, we're gonna circle back to this. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, great. What about you, dude? You got a little ready for us? I do, okay. and I, I brought it for you because yes, it has yes. to do with trousers. Oh, yay! <laughs> All right, so this is from Hinge, but I did not find it. It was shared by the um, Instagram account Beam Me Up Soft Boy. Love, mm. which yeah. we love, and we re- retweet. <laughs> so we so retweet. Great. We reblog There's a lot. So much great stuff there, but this just stuck out to me because it's about trousers. So the Hinge prompt is You should not go out with me if, which is, you know, a classic. Classic. All right, so you should not go out with me if you wear trousers or jeans. They are working man's attire and are slovenly on women. <laughs> I don't want a man. I want a feminine woman, exclamation point. Dress like a lady. Wear a dress. Slovenly. Brought to you by Ron DeSantis. (laughs) Meatball Ron. At it again. Slovenly. I think think the the working man's attire stood up. What? Yeah. Oh man, working man's. I'm like, are you from like 1900? Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's not, even, it's, it's not even old school, like 1950s, like you know, misogyny. It's yeah, it's like old timey. Yeah, it's, it's like, like industrial like, revolution, yeah. old timey. Like, yeah. Who uses slovenly anymore? When like, you show up on a date showing that you just came from the coal mine, yeah, in your trousers. Yeah, it's like God, I know. You better be wearing steel-toed boots and have a cock if you've got fucking trousers on. Like, (laughs) okay, dude. Okay, Meepaw. Yeah, you should really just update it to say that. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Slovenly. I added slovenly to the list of words that I do not like because I had forgotten about that one. And Mm. I think it's it's a word that is, it sounds like what it describes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Mm -hmm. never used to like prop anyone up or or speak kindly That's of right. someone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like based on, a, always based on yeah. like a lot of, it just has a lot of other ideas tied in with yes. it that I don't like. That's right. Yes. It's yeah. anti-fat and it's also mm-hmm. like very wet. It's a very wet mm-hmm. sound. Yeah. It's like, it's like poor hygiene. Yeah. 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 Hate mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Hate it. Um, Red fucking flag. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent deal breaker. In fact, <laughs> yeah. not even a red flag. No, just yeah. a, yeah. A real turn off deal breaker. Goodbye. No go. Yeah. yeah. Now, what about some green flag stuff? Did you bring us a little greeny? No, but I do. I, <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be my else. answer. No. <laughs> um, I would, I would like to use my green flag opportunity to defend the, Hey, what's up opener. Oh, whoa. Right. That was quite a few eps ago. I know. This has been and stuck I've hung in your on craw. <laughs> <laughs> Steph is silently listening in the shadows always. <laughs> this was was this a red flag of Lawrence? I don't I don't think it's ever been a red flag, but I mean, okay, also I feel like this comes up in just like general dating chatter all the time of just like ugh, such a boring opener, like, oh, you're gonna ask me how my day was. And okay, here's the thing. Is it the most creative opener? But I think that there is opportunity to have a good conversation. 
I feel like it is like an invitation to like test small talk, which I think is very important. Mm-hmm. I will also defend small talk. Like, yes, what I love. Oh, beautiful. Talk. Yeah, because I'm like, maybe it's something that I've learned because I am totally the type of person who's like, hi, nice to meet you. Please tell me about like your most traumatic events. <laughs> this is why we're all friends. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I've, and I've learned like, you can't do that. So, <laughs> so I've like learned to appreciate the art of small talk and while a lot of people who open with some version of like, hey, what's up? How's it going? How's your day? Are not going to be great at small talk. And then it's an immediate pass. Mm. I feel like sometimes people really lean into it. And like, you can have a great conversation of your engagement. You give people like, oh, my day is this way. I've done X, Y, Z thing. You can like actually have a really nice, genuine conversation that is based on like things shared between you two, as opposed to like, I don't know. I mean, like sometimes the 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 witty opener when it's a comment on your profile is like, well, that's you know, this is a conversation I'm having with literally every person, mm-hmm. yeah, who, who comments, and I have to repeat myself over and over again. Yeah, that picture is taken. X Y Z place. Do you ski to? You know, like. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it is an opportunity to have like a genuine, unique conversation if both people take it seriously. Yeah, considering like yeah. the 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 elements of your day change over time, yeah. but like that question sort of takes a different form each yeah. time if you're answering honestly. But yeah. I don't I don't actually mind like how was your day or mm-hmm. like how's your week been, things like yeah. that. Hey, what's up? Yeah. I'm like, I, I just don't know how to respond to that. Because I, I actually in person I never know how to respond to it either. I'm like, good. Or like I yes. Yeah. I, or like when someone's like sup, I'm like, sup with you. Like I, I just, it always makes me feel awkward. Like, I, I I I agree with you there. I actually no. I I should, yeah. The the supper, hey, hey, how's it going? Yeah, I don't mind that. Uh, yeah. That one's but yeah, what's up is a little like yeah. at, at least ask me how's it going. Yeah, like to but, me, WhatsApp is like a response when you, if you like yeah. reach out to somebody and they're like, hey, saw your text, what's up? Like, right, then you yeah, can go yeah. into it. Yeah. You have to already have something to go on yes. for somebody to WhatsApp you. Yes. In my mind. But yeah, how's it going? How's your day been? What have you been up to today? How's your week been? Yeah. I'm I like, do anything exciting good. this weekend or, yeah. Yeah. Do it. yeah. I think those are really good. I yeah. also think like I tried for a while doing like a, like clever openers mm. and I found that. I was off put by myself. Yes, I, I've experienced that too. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah. this feels inauthentic. This doesn't feel like real shit. And plus, like, yeah. one of the things that I really appreciate is when I, I'm like, oh, this is a man who can manage himself in, mm. um, in like, in actual human contact out in the world. Mm. And I think I've had that as a green flag in the past, maybe. But the idea that, like, oh, do I feel like this person, we could be in a group of people and I wouldn't have to caretake. Like, he'd be yeah, able to, like, be yeah. in a group of people and handle himself. And knowing that he can do small talk is important in that way. Um, and also, I just took a couple of minutes to try to find this meme that really ties into what you're saying. And I found it. Um, and I love this because it says, me, I'm a very private person. Someone, hi. And then me. So I'll start by st- describing some of my lighter traumas before I get into the real bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very much it's so and, true. I'm pretty private. And I'm like, yeah, someone's like, hey, what's up? I'm like, well, or someone's like, hey, I have this um, emotional intimacy I'd like to potentially offer you. You're like, no problem. Yeah. You have like the vacuum pack. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and also let me shoot you back with mine. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I, I would I'm, say I'm that I don't you. like small yeah. talk, but it's not. I love comfortable small talk. Yeah. But I don't like small talk and it's because of me, not the other person. Mm. Small talk is almost never comfortable for me. Mm. I'm not comfortable until I get down into it. And I can mm, like yeah. really operate in the space of like mm-hmm. picking shit apart yeah. and going deep with somebody and making those like more intimate connections, yes. yeah. you know? I, I definitely I definitely consider small talk like a like a a journey, you know? Yeah. It's like yeah. It, it gets if if you do it right, it can get you to that to that place. There's a neurodivergent um creator on TikTok who did a TikTok about their journey with small talk. Yeah. And they were like, cause they were like, it's really uncomfortable for me. I don't know how to do it and I don't know why why we're doing it. And mm-hmm. it feels unimportant to me and so then I just won't do it Mm -hmm. but then they were like my therapist told me you know like small talk is the way that we make each other feel safe first yeah yeah. and then like that's how we create a safe space to get Mm -hmm. to the deeper stuff and that and you saying a journey is like totally right it it lays a little bit of groundwork so that you can really go on it together Mm -hmm. whereas like some people don't need that journey at all but like neurotypicals can't Mm -hmm. go like Bam, bam, bam! Immediately, they have to like they have to have a little bit of um, a trailhead created by small talk. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And like, I think I think sometimes small talks gets spoken about as if it's like a, a lower order of communication, yeah, or a connection. And and it's I don't think that it is. I yeah. think that it is like an art form in and of itself. And some people are very good at yeah. it and really good at making people feel comfortable. And like it, it does feel like it's leading somewhere or it has some kind of trajectory. And then. But what I often get stuck in, and that's partly, be- or a lot of it is because I don't feel super comfortable with it. It just sort of like peters and then I'm yeah. like, well, bye. <laughs> well, I mean, even, I would even hold up our podcast as a good example. Like we always start with like, how was your week or something, yeah. something to like form a trailhead together mm-hmm. before we just launch into content or launch into other things. Yeah. Um, we did that very strategically and in, the, in an effort to create a bond with yeah. our audience mm-hmm. um which i find important yeah. to mention and also we can reclaim small talk the same way we want to reclaim gossip i agree mm-hmm. yeah. i agree because small talk also possibly there's something to be said about like women in the world of small talk and like um and the function of mm. women in sort of like party spaces or like social mm. society spaces back in back in the day you know, like creating like social lubricant mm-hmm. to then allow for like the important men talk to happen <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or or even like what like what kind of important information gets shared in the realm of small talk that we overlook because it's not the right. intense philosophical. All right. Much like gossip. We right. write it off because right. we think yeah. that it's frivolous, but it's not. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, look at that. And that is our thesis on small talk. <laughs> pulled out of thin air. In conclusion, great flag. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> what are your green flags? Um, well, I have one this week that is uh, TikTok driven, as my entire fucking life is now. <laughs> I don't know if I exist without my TikTok content. Um <laughs> And there was this TikTok that this woman made, which um, she has two images on her computer screen. One is like um, like a multi-point spiky star, and the other is a very, very soft-legged sort of um, shape. And I, I, if anyone follows us on TikTok, I did, I did repost this. Um, and so this was used in some psychological experiments, and one of the shapes is named Boba, and one of the shapes is named Kiki. And if you show... The two, the sharp 
shape and the soft shape to someone, it's something insane. Like 90% of people will know which one is boba and which one is kiki. Obviously, this sharp one is kiki Mm because that's a sharp sound, sharp shape. Mm -hmm. And boba is blobby and (laughs) soft. And 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 so that's boba. Um, And her thesis was that she feels that that people are either kiki or boba. And then she gives some I'll I'll, of course, put this on the Instagram, but she gives some examples of people who are kiki and people who are boba. (laughs) And I agree with her that I think Bobas are green flag people, and uh, and preferred. I prefer a boba person that feels mm. soft and mm-hmm. um, r- has rounded corners. Kiki people make me feel a little more nervous <laughs> and feel sharper to me. So uh, this is a really esoteric one to give you, especially since I didn't make you like watch this TikTok. But but yeah, I've heard conversations about this before, and I can't remember where. Maybe it was like a podcast and it might not be the exact same thing but like similar idea Mm -hmm. and i love thinking about that because you can think of like any object person like it just sort of falls into Mm -hmm. one of those yeah those two categories i'm trying to think of like the kiki people in my life because i think i'm definitely like more of a boba person yeah but i also i enjoy some kiki energy i definitely have some kiki in me for sure there's a real sharpness about me kiki is a little queen of swords energy and i have some of that in me but Um, for sure. But I think even people with really strong bone structure who look like they should be sharp kiki people, many mm. of them in my life are actually bobas. And I really like that, too. <laughs> anyway. Um, so it. yeah, we'll put that in there. How about you, Lauren? You have a little green flag? Yes. My green flag is when a person on a dating app messages me first. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, yeah. I just so much prefer that, even though I am committed to being an equal opportunity player and I do try to force myself into being a first messenger equal ho yeah (laughs) um so I I do it reluctantly but I much prefer to have somebody and I'm sure most people probably feel that way and I know that there's like a real kind of like gender expectation there Mm -hmm. that like men reach out first and I try to like push back against that because I don't really believe that but I think like no matter who I dated I would want them to reach out first Yeah. yeah yeah No, I'm 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 with you. Every once in a while, I'll send a first message, but don't like it. Yeah, I'll yeah. send a question if I have a really good question. I feel yeah. like from their profile or something, I might be like, "Can you tell me more about this?" If I'm like, mm. if I'm like, mm-hmm. I am really intrigued about this thing. If someone's like, I don't know, I have the largest stamp collection in New Jer- in New Jersey or something, I might be like. <laughs> Well, how many can stamps do you have? <laughs> yeah, or can I see it? <laughs> I don't know. If that, like something really very – something critically interesting like a stamp yeah. collection, then, then I'll absolutely in, in New Jersey, first. no less. Yeah, the Jersey stamp collection. I'm going to message you immediately. There um, you have it, folks. Yeah. That's, that's how to hook in, Horny for a Jersey collection. <laughs> um <sighs> Yeah, so I'll ask a question sometimes, but I really vastly would prefer to be pursued. Thank you. Yeah. That would yeah. be better for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably everybody, I guess. I know, but. I know and I, I don't know if men, per, if lots of straight men prefer to be pursued or not. Yeah, I've, I've often wondered about that because I, well, I'm, I'm curious if like what your experiences have been on like basically every dating app and then compared to Bumble. Yeah. Because I, I, I have often wondered like, I don't know, just like what's up with Bumble? Because I feel like <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like Jerry Seinfeld. 
what's, what's the wrong? deal yeah. with Bumble? <laughs> You've got the bum and the bowl. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. <laughs> and because I feel like it, it tends to attract men who want to be like equitable. Yeah, they, they, they want a virtue signal that but they're feminists. I, yeah. yeah, but I, I have wondered if they don't like being the one who's like initially pursued. Because I, I have found my conversations on Bumble to be weird. Yeah. And I think I've had one date off of Bumble. Mm. Things like always peter off. And then I'll see like the same guys on other apps and we'll have conversations and they're like different. Mm-hmm. And so I've just kind of wondered, like, what what's the dynamic there? Like, it, like it's like oh, oh, are men like uncomfortable the... in spaces where women have more power? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, I think it's kind of like wanting to be cool with that, but then maybe feeling very uncomfortable and like yeah. out of control. Well, and I, I mean, mean I we don't are know. all like be... raised with this sort of like expectation, right. right? That like men are supposed to make the first move, and I think yeah. that's probably a lot of why. I'm less comfortable reaching out or just don't like yeah. it as much, yeah. you know? And I'm sure that no matter how much, even if they are super feminist and like mm. all for that, like that shit is still so ingrained in us that it's hard to not have it imbued with all yeah. of this like shit that comes with that that isn't actually accurate, you know? Well, yeah. and I think that men spend a lot of time on their Bumble profile specifically sort of yammering at women about how they're not mm-hmm. doing Bumble correctly and how they're always saying like the way to, the closest way to get to my heart is just ask or like oh, yeah. you know you can go out with me if just ask or or, or like women always swipe on me but never yes, message yes, yes, yes. me on this app like yeah. if you think you're going to actually message me then you can swipe or like whatever I see a lot of those yes. comments yeah, on yeah, Bumble yeah. <laughs> yeah and a lot of just like if you want to if if you're actually going to have a conversation besides hi yeah like, I know a lot of like pretty a lot of anger. Um, so I think yeah, I think a lot of men have a pretty uncomfortable relationship with Bumble. I've yeah. only gone on one date from Bumble, I think, and I did end up seeing him for quite a while. And he was a Bernie staffer, so mm. and he was definitely holding a uh, a uh, like a feminist mug in his photo. <laughs> so <laughs> I do think that's kind of funny. But otherwise, I have had some good like back and forths on Bumble, Me but then not like haven't really met those people. Yeah. 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 In person. You know, I haven't had, yeah, I don't really love Bumble. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, why am I still on there? You know, part of the reason why I'm still on there is because of this podcast, because the about me sections on Bumble can really throw down sometimes because yeah. <laughs> they have more space. I can't even remember if I'm still on Bumble because mm. I do this all the time as we've discussed before. I'm just like, Oh yeah, that profile. Um, I should look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's time to reopen the Tinder. I need some new sources. Oh, yeah. Tinder. I've never yeah. been on. Or I think I went on as a lurker one time and I was so scared I was like immediately deactivated. Mm. I like Tinder. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I feel like Tinder you I think I feel like Tinder you actually meet the people. Yeah. And so I'm like Yeah. Eh. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, I mean I've 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 met a lot of fun people on Tinder and I mm-hmm. feel like I mean, yeah, I mean, I think if I remember, I think it was started like as a hookup app. Totally. Yeah. But I like that it's kind of become like a catch all where it's like, yeah, which I feel like is more realistic and honest anyway. I mean, I I definitely like Hinge, but it definitely still takes a more serious tone, which is fine. I actually like it. But I do like that Tinder's just kind of like, I don't know, like figure it out. Like you're all here. Yeah. 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 I feel like Hinge has skewed very ENM. 
I'm just like, wow, I feel like every third profile is like yeah i go through fits and starts non-monogamy oh yes yeah. i have yeah i have seen a, a lot of that yeah, yeah. yeah i go yeah. through fits and starts on hinge where it feels like every third profile i'm like wow dude it's the poly community is out and mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. and then and then i'll go through months where i'm like i have not seen a single one so the yes yeah, weird mm-hmm. i also was kind of thinking like I wonder if Tinder is better in certain age ranges too. Mm. And I've not been on it, so I don't know. But I wonder like in your age group, if Tinder is, uh, is quite actually fire and for our <laughs> age group, whether it is or not, I don't know. Yeah, You'll have to let us know. I was but. Steph's age. So <laughs> <laughs> my, my, honestly, my profile is yeah. probably still active. So I should go and <laughs> see how many old photos I have in there. And yeah. Unanswered messages. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not that many. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I mean, you just don't know. You don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, this yeah. has been quite the behemoth, mm-hmm. I will say. It has. And I love that we got a surprise Steph guest um, <laughs> out of you today. Yeah, we might we might get her again. I know, yeah. I know, I know. Excitement. <laughs> um, thank you for joining the pizza party. Thank you for uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the pizza <laughs> and the party. I know. Pizza's gone, party's done. Yeah. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bay <laughs> Patrol is created and hosted by Lauren Audette and Ashley Bliss and is produced by Steph George. If you need an audio producer, find her website in the show notes. This podcast is brought to you by no one as of right now but if you would like to advertise with us please reach out we are interested in absolutely anybody but if you own a place where gossip happens then you completely should be advertising with us email us at baypatrolpod at gmail.com as a listener you can also support us at patreon.com slash baypatrolpod and get some extra goodies there for your trouble and if you can't support us with dollars we ask that you like us rate us five stars and review us wherever you listen to us it helps people find us and gossip with us Find us on Instagram at Bay Patrol Pod and send us any hot gossip tips or dating stories to our email, which again is baypatrolpod at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, busybodies. The Bay Patrol theme song was written and recorded by John Medham and Laura Cromwell with members of the former band Hawkslit, Russ Graham on guitar, Aaron Rooney on vocals, Edie Davis Quinn on vocals, and myself, Lauren Audette, on the Vibra Slap. It was recorded at Running Girl Studios at the Hibernaculum. 